Downloads of this show are available on Podomatic.com and the Podomatic mobile app. Listen, all you New Yorkers. Hello. I hope no one's eating dinner. Something like that. What's up, everybody? It's 10 o'clock on Monday night, which means it's time for the next best thing. Dear Jesus. I'm your host, Jonathan B. Lerner, and I'll be with you for the next two hours. Well, get ready. Don't go anywhere. We have a great, 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 great show lined up for you tonight. I can't even contain myself. But before we get to any of that, we'd like to kick the show off by doing what we always do, and that is review all of the great and the not-so-great things that have happened on... This Day in History. Today is August 13th, and on this day in history, in 1846, the American flag was raised for the first time ever in Los Angeles, California. On this day in 1899, British filmmaker Alfred Hitchcock was born. He'd be 119 years old today, and he would probably say, Good evening. On this day in 1931, the first community hospital in the U.S. was dedicated in Elk City, Oklahoma. On this very day in 1932, Adolf Hitler refused to take the post of Vice-Chancellor of Germany. He said he was going to hold out, quote, for all or nothing. I guess that's a German accent. I don't know. On this day in 1994, it was reported that aspirin not only helps reduce the risk of heart disease, but it also helps prevent colon cancer. And who wants to get cancer in their colon? Nobody. So you should take some aspirin because that will help prevent heart disease and apparently colon cancer. That's what happened on this day in history. And who knows, perhaps we'll make history right here tonight on Radio Free Brooklyn and be studied for years to come. But who are we kidding? Probably not. You're listening to The Next Best Thing. I'm Jonathan B. Lerner. Stay tuned or I'll haunt you in your dreams. Holy sweet mother of God, it is 10 o'clock on a Monday night, so you know what that means. Is it time for your favorite show ever? No! But it is time for the next best thing. I'm your host, Jonathan B. Lerner, keeping you company every Monday night from 10 until midnight right here on Radio Free Brooklyn. Can you hear me? One second. Testing. One, two, three. Are we on? Great. Anywho, you can tweet at us. We are at Next Best Radio. That's at Next Best Radio. Or go ahead and like us on Facebook. Follow us on Facebook. A lot of stuff gets posted on our Facebook page, stuff that we talk about in any given episode, information, links to pertinent sites, all that stuff usually goes up on our Facebook page. That's facebook.com slash NBT radio. Also, if you're really feeling like you want to go all out and write it's more than 140 characters, more than something you'd feel comfortable posting on a Facebook wall. You can always feel free to send us an email. We are at nextbestthing at radiofreebrooklyn.org. And lastly, we do ask you to remember that we are fully listener and producer supported. If you like what you hear on Radio Free Brooklyn, if you like what you hear tonight, please consider going to our website, going to this show's page, and 
donating a little something something to keep us in business. If you like what you hear tonight, well, a donation could ensure that you will get to hear more next week and the weeks after that. Uh, if you feel so inclined, you can go to rfb.nyc slash nbt. Again, that's rfb.nyc slash nbt. Oh, man, that was exhausting, wasn't it? It was for me. I'm sure it was for you, too. So, that's all the housekeeping I can think of right now. If I've forgotten anything... Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Good. You're listening to The Next Best Thing. Here's what's making news tonight. <laughs> for the love of God, somebody help me. Call, call for help. All right. You know what? I was going to talk a little bit about stuff that's gone on the week, but we just don't have time. We have a great show lined up for you tonight. We have a guest coming in, Nikolai Krupolnitsky, an old friend of mine, and he has a great story to tell. A business owner. You know, we're going to talk to him about all sorts of stuff. Coming to America from Russia, learning a totally new language, starting a number of businesses, running them. And growing them, keeping them successful. That's something that uh, people seem to think that's easy. He's, he, whenever we, he and I talk about it, you're going to hear. He has a remarkable sense of ease and possibility about him. But before we do that, we do have to talk about what's going on in the news and what's going on in the world because there's a shitload, okay? Let me just say it. There is a shitload. So here we go. Amorosa. Amorosa. Amorosa is the place to be. Omarosa apparently taped John Kelly firing her and a call with Donald Trump the day after. Before I say anything, I have to put this out there. I've said it before. I'm going to say it again right now. Omarosa is a vicious, evil demon woman. I didn't watch a lot of The Apprentice, but I did watch at least a season and a half. And she, she is pure evil. She is vicious, nasty. I mean, really, if you want to talk about a nasty woman, she is a nasty human being. Vicious, evil, conniving, backstabbing. And with that, I'll say this. This audio was released as Manigault Newman gears up for the release of her new book, aptly titled Unhinged, an insider account of the Trump White House. It contains several unflattering claims against the president and his staff. Omarosa claims to have multiple recordings of her time in the White House, but many of the claims she has made are apparently unverifiable. So here we go. I'm going to play them for you. All right, get ready. The recording of her being fired by John Kelly, which is what you're about to hear, frankly isn't all that revealing or even interesting, to be perfectly frank. What's crazy is the mere fact that she was able to record it at all. According to Omarosa, this recording was taken from the Situation Room, which is supposed to be among the most secure places on planet Earth. Here's the recording, the secret recording. Hi. Hi there, how are you? Hi. My assistant. Could you uh, leave us alone? Sure. Hi. I'm only going to stay for a couple of minutes. These are lawyers. We've got to talk to you about uh, leaving the White House. Um, it's come to my attention uh, over the uh, last few months that there's been some pretty, in my opinion, significant integrity issues related to you and use of government vehicles and some other issues. 
just that, stay that with I me. Just that stay I did. Me, yeah. uh, a, a pretty serious offense. So I'd like to see this be uh, uh, a friendly departure. Um, there are pretty significant uh, legal issues that we hope uh, don't develop into something that uh, that will make it ugly for you. Uh, but I think it's important to understand that if we make this a friendly departure, um, we can all be, you know, you can look at look at your time here in, in uh, the White House as a year of service to the nation, uh, and then you can go on without any type of uh, difficulty in the future relative to your reputation. So with that, um, if you would stay here with these gentlemen, they'll lay this thing out. And can we have I a, ask you a couple of questions? Uh, Does the president, is the president aware of this? Uh, don't, let's not go down the road. This is a non-negotiable discussion. I don't want to uh, negotiate. I just, I've never talked, had a chance to talk to you, General Kelly. Yeah, so if this is my departure, I'd like to have at least an opportunity no, uh, to understand. We can, we can talk another time. This has to do with some pretty serious viola integrity violations. Um, so I'll let it go with that. So uh, the, the staff and everyone on the staff works for me, not the president. And um, so after your departure, I'll inform him if he gets uh, interested on, on where you may be. All right. So that's important. I hope you could hear that. It was a secret recording and therefore it's kind of soft. But that was John Kelly firing devil woman Amarosa. And at the very end there, I want to play it one more time because it's very important. The staff and everyone on the staff works for me, not the president. And um, so after your departure, I'll inform him if he gets uh, interested on, on where you may be. After your departure, I will inform him if he is interested on where you are. In other words, he was very upfront about the fact that Donald Trump most likely doesn't know that this is happening and he don't give a shit. He says, the, the staff works for me, they answer to me, you are fired. So I say that because Omarosa, one of her biggest gripes was that, can you believe this? The president probably didn't even know this was happening. Isn't that insane? No, it's really not that insane. Frankly, I mean, of all people, I am not one to say Trump does anything right. However, this particular recording is not that juicy. Frankly, it's not that weird or revealing or even interesting that the president or a leader of any kind, CEO, whatever, would delegate a task like that to his chief of staff. I mean, really. But she also had a recording of Donald Trump himself. This was the following day. Apparently, she was either she either called Donald Trump or he called her. And this is how it went. This is a very tiny clip. But this is all that was made available. Uh, Marissa, what's going on? I just saw on the news that you're thinking about leaving. What happened? General Kelly, General Kelly came to me and said that you guys wanted me to leave. No, I, I, nobody even told me about it. Nobody, wow. you know, they run a big operation, but I didn't know it. I didn't know that. God yeah. Damn it. I don't love you leaving at all. All right. I don't love you leaving at all. What a weird way to say that. It's not, I didn't say I wanted, I don't want you to leave. I'll fix this. Or that's fucked up and it's not going to happen. It's, I don't love you leaving at all. I'm not ecstatic that you'll be gone. Okay. I mean, this recording is also not that juicy. I mean, I guess it kind of makes it appear that Trump was unaware that she was going to be fired. What's going on? He asks. I just saw on the news. You're thinking about leaving. What happened? Okay, you heard it. The thing is, honestly, Trump could and probably is just lying to save face with someone he's known for 15 years and has claimed to be close with. 
He probably didn't want to fire her because they're quote unquote friends. So I can understand why he'd be like, I didn't even know that was happening. I'm sad. Bye. However, the fact that Trump had Kelly do the firing, like I said, it's not that weird and chose to act oblivious. It doesn't bother me. Delegating stuff like that is, is to be expected. It's the recordings themselves and all the backbiting. I mean, think about it. Michael Cohen's recordings, the recording of Anthony Scaramucci that got him fired. Uh, this, I mean, it's like all the fucking backbiting that goes on in this White House. It's unbelievable. And I have to just say, the first point I made, if that recording of John Kelly firing Omarosa really was made in the Situation Room, that's insane. That's a huge violation of very strict internal procedures and highlights the flouting of safety and security protocols in this White House. That said, I'm not sure I believe it was in the Situation Room. Listen to how that recording starts, the recording of John Kelly firing Omarosa. Hi. Hi there, how are you? Hi. My assistant. Could you uh, leave us alone? Sure. Yeah. Hi there, who are you? My assistant? Okay, could you leave us alone? That would imply that Omarosa and her assistant were just chilling in the Situation Room. He didn't say, hi there, hey, can we go in here for a second? He said, can you leave us alone? Therefore, John Kelly has just come in to wherever they were hanging out, and he's asked the assistant to leave. Were they just chilling in the situation room? I doubt it. Mamarosa is a vicious, evil woman, a liar. She's probably lying. Who knows, though? Moving right along. The FBI agent who sent anti-Trump texts and played key roles in the Hillary Clinton email investigation and the early stages of the Russia investigation was fired today. I, I really don't understand this. Peter Strzok, he sent texts on his personal cell phone while he was off the clock. Are FBI agents not allowed to have thoughts, opinions, conversations out in the real world? Did he say he didn't like Trump? Yeah. Millions of us were talking about how much we hate Trump. We still are. It's not unusual. He was fired today. Strzok's lawyer, Alton Goldman, said the decision was made by FBI Deputy Director David Bowditch. Had you ever heard of him? Because I hadn't. This w decision was made after he overruled the FBI's Office of Professional Responsibility. In other words, Bowditch reversed the decision of the career FBI official responsible for employee discipline who concluded through an independent review process that a 60-day suspension and perhaps a demotion from his supervisory duties was the appropriate punishment. That's his whole career. That's his job. He took a lot of time, did a whole investigation and review. That's what he came out with. And Bo Ditch just said, nah, you're fired. Isn't that weird? A very similar thing happened to Andy McCabe. The inspector general did his whole review, did an ins investigation, review, came out with a recommendation and they said forget it you're fired fired that like day before he became eligible for a retirement pension just really evil stuff the fbi justice department they all had no comment but guess who was chomping at the bit to chime in excuse me agent peter stroke was just fired from the fbi finally the list of bad players in the FBI and DOJ gets longer and longer. Based on the fact that Stroke was in charge of the witch hunt, will it be dropped? It's total hoax. No collusion. There was absolutely no collusion. No obstruction. I just fight back. Everybody knows it. This motherfucker, he spent his day 
shitting on John McCain, a big fuck you to a war hero who has served our country for years and tweeting. I mean, is this the motherfucking Twilight Zone? Yes! This guy, Andrew McCabe, James Comey, they've all been fired. I mean, especially this guy and Andrew McCabe. In my opinion, the, these they've had their lives and careers destroyed in order to appease Trump, a petty act of vengeance. I want to play this. So, recently, Peter Strzok went in front of a committee of Republicans, and they just, it was insane. It was absolutely insane. And they attacked him incessantly. And this was, I thought, a really important moment. He finally took a breath and had a response. Now, remember, they were attacking him for having a text message convo in which he said he didn't want Trump to win. And here's what he finally said at the end. Keep in mind, he was a supervisor of the FBI. Here he goes. Uh, Sir, I think it's important when you look at those texts that you understand the context in which they were made and the things that were going on across America. In terms of the text that we will stop it. You need to understand that that was written late at night, off the cuff, and it was in response to a series of events that included then-candidate Trump insulting the immigrant family of a fallen war hero. And my presumption, based on that horrible, disgusting behavior, that the American population would not elect somebody demonstrating that behavior to be president of the United States. It was in no way, unequivocally, any suggestion that me, the FBI, would take any action whatsoever to improperly impact the electoral process for any candidate. So I I take great offense and I take great disagreement to your assertion of what that was or wasn't. As to the 100 million to one, that was clearly a statement made in jest and using hyperbole. I, of course, recognize that millions of Americans were likely to vote for candidate Trump. I acknowledge that is absolutely their right. That is what makes our democracy such a vibrant process that it is. But to suggest somehow that we can parse down the words of shorthand textual conversations like there's some contract for a car is is simply not consistent with my or most people's use of text messaging. I can assure you, Mr. Chairman, at no time in any of these texts did those personal beliefs ever enter into the realm of any action I took. Furthermore, This isn't just me sitting here telling you, you don't have to take my word for it. At every step, at every investigative decision, there are multiple layers of people above me, the assistant director, executive assistant director, deputy director, and director of the FBI, and multiple layers of people below me, section chiefs, supervisors, unit chiefs, case agents, and analysts, all of whom were involved in all of these decisions. They would not tolerate any improper behavior in me any more than I would tolerate it in them. That is who we are as the FBI. And the suggestion that I, in some dark chamber somewhere in the FBI, would somehow cast aside all of these procedures, all of these safeguards, and somehow be able to do this is astounding to me. It simply couldn't happen. And the proposition that that is going on, that it might occur anywhere in the FBI, deeply corrodes what the FBI is in American society, the effectiveness of their mission, and it is deeply destructive. Accurate, important, strong. Fired. Great. Moving right along. All right. This is the next best thing. We're going to be right back. Radio Free Brooklyn is a 501c3 nonprofit organization whose mission is to provide a free and open platform to our community and promote media literacy, education, and free expression. We rely primarily on donations from listeners like you. 
So, if you'd like to support our mission so we can continue to bring you quality community radio, we invite you to make a one-time donation or monthly pledge at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash donate. You can donate as little as a dollar, and every cent helps. Helps us to continue to stay on the air. So, please, please help support independent community media by pledging whatever you can afford. And remember, RFB is a 501c3 nonprofit, so your contribution is tax-deductible to the fullest extent of the law. Again, that's RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash donate. This is the next best thing. Don't go. And we're just about to welcome our guest, Nikolai Krupolnitsky, who comes from Yesentuki. Yesentuki. Is that actually how you pronounce <laughs> yeah. it? Yesentuki. I was going to try and say Dabro Poshalovitz Nasho. What did I just say? Anything? So you said just uh, welcome to my show. Yeah. Okay, good. I worked on that a long time. No, your Russian is pretty good. <laughs> Thanks. All right. So Nikolai with his wife, is the co-owner and co-founder of Julia Valer Staffing and Events. However, this is like your fifth business in New York City, right, that you started? Yes. yes. Okay, so you come from, say it again, say it for us. From Yesentuki. That's a mountain town? Uh, it's, a, it's a resort town. Uh, it's the south of Russia between Black Sea and Caspian Sea and Caucasus. Um, it's about like 100,000 um, uh, population. Did you say it's a resort town? Yes. Like Sochi? Yes. Really? So it's not far from Sochi. So people, oh, really? Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, and you went to the University of Pietagorsk? Yes. Uh, it's the next town. Uh, so it's very small. So once you leave uh, your town, you go to another town. It's close to Sochi. Uh, it's about eight hours drive. Oh, yeah. okay, that's not that close. But compared to well, Russia, it's pretty close. Russia's enormous, <laughs> right. So at Pietagorsk, say it. Pietagorsk. Pietagorsk. You study mechanical engineering, international business management. Then you came here, right? And you went to the ALCC, American Language, to learn English. Yes, correct. So you didn't speak English before you came here at that point? I, I didn't. And you were like 22, 21? I was uh, 22, yeah. I was 22, actually I was 21, and uh, I didn't know any English because I I used to learn French in high school and university. That's interesting. So, total for eight years. Uh, I mean, but English, now, the idea of moving to Russia at age 22 without speaking, I mean, it took me a while just to work up that phrase, <laughs> welcome to the show. I It's very daunting. Now, is English the... You know, layman's knowledge is that English is probably a little easier to learn than Russian, but it was still probably pretty scary. I mean, when you you're pretty fearless, when you surrounded with all American speaking people and uh, like you have to learn uh, English. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, I'm listen. I'm still learning. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah it's still uh, but it's still I mean, not easy, but it's doable. So you came in one. Anyone year. can do it. What year did you come to the States? Uh, 2009. And I met you in like 2012. Yeah. So that's three years and your English was about as good as it is. I mean, maybe it's better now, but it was, <laughs> I mean, that's pretty impressive. So then you went to Baruch College and studied more business, business development and management. Yeah. So with that, now you're an only child, right? And yes. your parents did what? You said your mom works for the government? Yeah. The Kremlin? <laughs> is that no, right? No, no. That's the one thing I it's did. It's a small I, town, so she she works for the oh, okay. uh, government of the small town. Gotcha. Like this, she works for the mayor. 
Uh, yes. As opposed to the president. Yes. Gotcha. And your dad? Uh, my dad, yeah, he is a contractor. Okay. Uh, and like he, you know, he built houses. Okay. It's so a real estate. Uh, it's more like uh, like freelance contractor. Okay. Not like a huge company freelance. It's very common in in Russia. And you're an only child. I'm the only one. Okay. So then, so you worked in catering a bit. You rode a pedicab for like three or four years. No, okay. not like three or four years. Oh, but you did do that. So, I I did do that. And uh, when I moved here in 2009, uh, I was pretty young and I didn't know any English. And uh, but I saw opportunity to get involved in pedicab. So two months later, I opened my first company. Now, what do you mean when you say you saw an opportunity to get involved in pedicabs? You mean you just saw people riding pedicabs? I saw people riding, and I saw how you, how people just have extra pedicabs, and they were leasing the pedicabs on uh, and get paid weekly uh, just to give it to somebody. And, oh, really? You don't yeah. get paid per ride? No, you do, but you as an owner, you okay. give it to someone and someone has to pay and you. And how was that? And then weekly. Um, so it, it was pretty good. So I had yep. eight of them with my partner and, and okay, we so charged eight about pedicabs. eight pedicabs. And you would total. lease them out. Lease them out. And okay. we charged like, I don't know, um, almost eight to $1,000 a month per pedicab. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I guess that makes sense. The thing is, the pedicabs, it's like you may, in a day, you may only actually give four rides or something, but each ride is really expensive, right? Depends of the driver. So me and another Turkish guy, we were like one of the best. Uh, Now, how do you know that? Like, what do you mean you're one of the best? Like, you get there fast? We were making the most money than everybody else. Like, you have to hustle. Yeah. If you cannot hustle, it's not not your job. It's not your business. If you're not a hustler, I can't imagine you would think, I'm going to do that in the first place. Yeah. So, how much would you charge per ride? Uh, So, at that time, we charged $1 per block and $3 per avenue and $5, like, initial fee. Uh, but what people usually do when they go from Eighth um, Avenue to Seventh Avenue, and in the middle it's a Broadway, so they charge double. Right. Okay. <laughs> and uh, wow. um, you know, uh, I was making some days was like zero dollars, but it's very rare. Uh, but good days, it's like five hundred up to fifteen hundred dollars a day. Fifteen hundred dollars a day, cash. No. Yes. How in God's name, how many rides would that be? So it could be, I don't know, five, ten rides. The most expensive ride that I did was $500. One ride. Holy crap. And then you get tipped? No, it's all a tip, <laughs> right? Or would people tip? Uh, they do, but sometimes they call the cops. Why? What do you mean they call the cops? Because you, when you try to charge oh, somebody $500, okay, they so don't that's expect. an important thing to learn. So you, exactly. you mean to make it clear at the beginning. Yes. What idiot would get on a pedicab thinking it was going to be cheap? All right. But I have to point something out really quick because this right here, and I think this is a good thing to highlight, is the difference between your mind and most people's. When I hear that you did a pedicab, I think you went, leased a pedicab, and rode it and made some money. That's not what you're thinking. You you got eight pedicabs, leased them to other people. That's, That's kind of a difference between getting a job and kind of expanding a business. Right. Yes. When you saw a pedicab, and you even you were intrigued initially, it was your first thought: How can I capitalize on? It wasn't just I want to ride one of those. It was okay. How can I maximize the profits? 
Uh, for me, I always think like for the future, you know, I always think, okay, uh, can I do that now or not? So I saw the opportunity and I had money because I sold my car. Uh, so it was my capital. Um, I think the best way to open the business uh, when you're young, because when you're young, you have nothing to lose. So for me, I had for nothing you. to lose except money. and Which uh, is something. You have this weird thing about money. Let me ask you something. Is your dad an oligarch? No. <laughs> an oligarch no. is like a, it's like a, just a really rich no, Russian. No, we were like regular, um, not like middle. poor, poor. Like uh, upper middle uh, class. Uh, we don't have middle class in Russia. You're either poor or either rich, you know. Really? You say, yeah. really? Is yeah. that good? Is that good? Uh, it's, it's You're not either rich good. or poor. <laughs> yeah, like, like you can tell by the people who are rich or who are poor. So then you were rich? Uh, no, I, we, we wasn't rich. Even now, my mom makes like $300 uh, a month. 300 US dollars a month US in dollars. Russia working for government. So it, it doesn't consider rich. <laughs> so, so poor is different in Russia. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, okay, that's one difference. Okay, so you rode a pedicab for a while. Then, tell me about Polar Bird fishing and camping equipment. Like, oh, it's a long story. <laughs> well, one like, are you into fishing and camping? Actually, the Polar Bird, uh, actually the pedicab, it's uh, it's related to Polar Bird. When okay. I was riding the pedicab, uh, I met a Russian tourist. Uh, mm-hmm. His name was uh, Alexander uh, Galitsin. He's pretty famous Russian businessman in Russia, and uh, and. Uh, and 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 he and he was my customer, and after that, um, he li- he liked my attitude. He liked the way how I uh, was all thinking in one pedicab, right? All in one pedicab. Wow. Okay. And then uh, we went to Niagara Falls together. What? See, the next day. So weird. Okay. <laughs> I mean, like I've had good customers, and they tip you well, and then it's goodbye. Have a nice life. You went to Niagara Falls together. Yeah. On, the next on, day. Yeah. On, he said. Where can we go tomorrow? I said, we can go to Niagara Falls. Like, okay, I'll pay you. And uh, I, I got a, uh, a car. I didn't have a car at that time. So you bought a car? No, I didn't okay. buy a car. I just got it from my roommate uh, for one day. And, <laughs> and we left at 8 a.m. and came back like at 12 a.m. So we went to Niagara Falls in one day. Now, you said this guy was famous in he, Russia. Yes. So did uh, you he has the biggest uh, uh, candy uh, manufacturer in Russia, uh, uh, diabetics. Uh, Diabetics? Uh, yeah. Uh, diabetics candies. So it's like a sugar free. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so uh, did you recognize him immediately? No, no. As a Russian? No. In person, he was like a regular sure. person. Okay. Yeah. He's not like a celebrity. He's not a celebrity. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. And wow. five years later, he came up with the idea of Polar Bird. And so you guys stayed in touch that whole time. Though. We stay in touch. Maybe we communicate like a once a year, something like that. And then, uh, like five years later, he um, he said, "I'm coming to you. Yes, I have like a business opportunity for you." And he came. And How would he know that that was good for you? Like, did you say during your trip to Niagara Falls, you know, I love camping? And no, no, I just, uh, and he knew that I like business. Uh, I like any business. Like okay, uh, that was that's my big question. To yeah. Wrap this up. So, so that happened, and then now you and your wife have the staffing and events. And that you guys started that late 2013, and now it's been growing ever since. So the question is, and this is kind of what I realized as I was kind of looking over all this stuff. You like business. I mean, it, you enjoy the hustling, networking, 
deal making and stuff that goes into running a business. So as long as you have that and that aspect and you're kind of making it work and making money, does it matter what field or industry you're in? I mean, like right now you guys are doing staffing and events. Would you be just as happy if you were running a TV network or a used car lot as long as it was a functioning, successful business? Uh I, w- I would prefer to be in the field where at least I know something, you know, or at least like I, ha- I have tents a... and camping. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're, I mean, do you know stuff about that? I don't know. No, I didn't know anything. Okay. But there was opportunity and he said to, uh, on, 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 can you help me to develop a company? And then I said, right. yeah, why not? Okay. And he said, I'll, he will pay for everything. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll try nice. it. And uh, he's an oligarch. Um, I mean, he, he's a rich guy. Okay. So you would like it to be something you know about and are interested in, but if it's not, as long as you, like what really attracts you is the business deal making. The business model. And kind of like the challenge of making this work. Yeah. Right? I like, I like that hustle. I, I like when, when I don't know something, I can Learn. find the ways to figure it out. Because I right. always have a feeling in my heart that I can open any doors, you know. And, and learn how to do anything. Yeah. Now, okay, so when we've ever, when we've talked about this before, what always kind of brings us to a disconnect is the idea of doing that in this city. It's tough. It's tougher to do that in this city than really anywhere else. And let me give you an example. So when I was in college in the state of Indiana, there, I got to a point, it was my sophomore year, and I realized that there, it was a big school, a big university, thousands and thousands of students, but the business school, music school, all that other stuff. And they only had one theater department and they really only did shows for the theater kids who frankly weren't even very good. Like, I mean, I, I just mean at that point, they were fine, but like there were thousands of kids with a lot of talent. Maybe they were majoring in mathematics. Who gives a crap? You know, like you can still be in, be a good performer. So I thought, this is crazy. This is a huge university. I couldn't believe that there weren't a ton of opportunities. So without thinking, I did what I had to do to start a student production company, started producing shows. We did shows at various theaters, blah, blah, blah. That would be much harder to do here because in Indiana, especially as a student, the rehearsal space was usually free. Venues were not very expensive. Here, everything's expensive. So how do you, because when that's, that doesn't phase you at all. Now, is it because you had a partner who was really rich? Honestly? Because that's something that people do have to think about. If we're talking about how to start a business in New York, how would you what how would you even approach that obstacle? So uh, we actually didn't invest a lot of money here. Uh, he invested a lot of money back in Russia and in China. So he opened like a separate manufacturer in China for just North America. So okay. he has to buy equipment for Polar Bird. Okay. So and he uh, hired like a. Chinese manufacturer that can produce up to 7,000 tents a month. And um, wow. actually we didn't sell that much, but it was enough capacity for, um, for the future. And, uh, and, and we started like doing our research. And then the first thing that we did, we went to trade shows. Well, we bought the samples, we went to trade shows, uh, we were collecting the opinions of people. What, what do they think? Because, you know. Were these different than other tents? Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, uh, the, the the main difference uh, it's insulated tents for ice fishing. So okay. when you go on a frozen lake, 
right, you, right. You, you covered with the tent so oh, to, to keep you warm. Right. And the main difference that we had, we had a floor mm-hmm. that were attached to the okay. tent with the with the Velcro fastening system. Okay. And nobody else that, uh, really? had that feature and we had a patent. And okay. even our main computer, they were trying to buy our patent to, to do the floor. That alone can be a licensing deal. Okay, so let me talk about your current business. So was staffing and event stuff, was that something that you had an interest in or did you just see other staffing agencies in the city and think we could do better? No, actually, uh, when I had my pedicap, right. uh, when I sold... Uh, it's all inter- interrelated. <laughs> it's all related. <laughs> oh, really? You know, it's, it's, it's my life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, when I sold my company with pedicap, uh, then... Uh, wait, 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 wait. You didn't... So when you sold the company, you mean you sold your sh- all your pedicaps? I sold all the pedicaps. Yeah, okay. I sold all the pedicaps because, I, I, like, in one point, you feel like you're done, you know. Uh, yeah. you, know you cannot buy any more and you you want to move right, on right. and uh, I couldn't I feel see like that any, was an any, experiment any future. You. Yeah. you know what I mean? Like that was yeah. something that you were never... I had it for two years. It was so. going to be like, you weren't going to do that forever, ever. Of course, yeah, yeah. of course. Okay. Because, uh, um, yeah. No one does that forever, yeah. Yeah, it, it was a good start. It was a great time. Uh, and and then uh, I was thinking, what should I do next? And, um, and one of my American friends, they said, uh, 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 you should start doing catering, like start working as a waiter. And uh, I was thinking to buy like an ice cream truck. And uh, and thanks God, he, he yeah, told me well, not to do it. Well, that might have been fun. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. So and uh, and I went, uh, I went to several catering companies. I was hard. Uh, it was hard. Uh, I, I was hard, but oh, hired. Gotcha, yeah, 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 on yeah. on by them. I started working for like 10 or 15 companies. I've worked for many, many catering yeah. companies. And, and that's how we met. That's how we met. It's miserable. And we were <laughs> miserable. But that's okay. It has nothing to do with the company. It was just catering can be miserable. Yeah, it was 2011. Yeah. And uh, within one month, I chose to stay with only two companies. It was a liver chain, Fist and Fat by Daniel Balut. And um, like with the, like the same year, I become a, uh, like junior captain, and then then I start like captaining like big events, and then I was a metro D, and uh, then I was thinking, what's what's next? You know, like uh, like you have to do something even bigger. And 2013, um, I proposed the idea to my wife uh, about the staffing company mm-hmm. uh, because, first of all, I had experience. I, I already knew a lot of people in in in, in the industry, you know, uh, yes. servers, bartenders, some clients, and uh, everything how it works uh, from inside. And uh, yeah. see, now you didn't think to yourself like. Well, this market is pretty, pretty saturated. You thought, I'll start my own and, and beat these people. Or did you even think that? No, I was thinking I can do much better. Okay. So much you, okay, better because, because I saw every business, people opening business when they see a problem. So yeah. I saw a problem with like a staffing company. Can you name some? Like what were typical problems you'd see? Like bad weight stuff. I mean uh, like yes yeah. yes exactly uh, on bad weight stuff uh, just uh, you know just you know e- even the uh, a, lot, a lot of other staffing companies they've they 
they never work as a captain or server or, mm-hmm. or bartender. They've right. never been in the field and they're opening the staffing company yeah. because they don't know how, how everything's supposed to work. And they don't N- not care. all of them. Uh, some of them they do, but still, you know, y- you have to, uh, I, be- I believe it has to be like a corporate business. A lot of staffing companies, they're not corporate. They're more like on, 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 on the But you're not corporate. I mean, you guys are- your- We're corporate. You're not corporate. What do you mean? Like it, you, you're one. Well, no, we have like street policies. Uh, oh, sure. Yes, but, but you're not like you're not like owned by General Electric. No, 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 okay. no. no. It's it just because my wife, she she's super corporate because she had experience working in the office. But when you see now, I want to make this clear because when people when people hear corporate, they think owned by. You mean corporate, like strict and really professional? Yes. So yeah. So that's I mean, just because I used to be in the street business where oh, like handicap, sure. <laughs> oh, sure. food cards, sure. and everything. But you, and now yeah. you're in but the corporate. The, where but you're not you owned by Comcast. You guys no. own your own company. No, one hundred percent. Hundred percent. Right. Okay. So, but you do run it very like a real strict professional business as it should be. But that should be every. I mean, like you probably did that with the pedicab. It was just a different business. Yes. But okay. So. Did Julia have an interest in this, or was it more just like you? It was like a business. So actually, it was a perfect time uh, when I came up with this idea. Uh, she like about the same time she she quit her job, mm-hmm. and uh, um, uh, she, she was working as a uh, personal assistant okay. for for another businessman. Gotcha. And and she studied uh, business in Baruch College as well. Okay. It was a perfect time and uh, and uh, and and we decided that we're going to we're going to start that business. So while I was working in Did it take I mean like were you both just like I mean quitting a job is could be can be scary. So she quit a job not because of that. She, oh, she, she quit the job it. because <laughs> no, no because of other things, okay. but it was like a perfect timing when we were thinking about the new idea and she she had to quit her job and was like okay uh, this is the opportunity I think we should do it and uh, and then she started working on like you know developing like a website like a like a basic stuff uh, mm-hmm. and uh, at the same time I was working I was still working for catering companies mm-hmm. and uh, one of our first client uh, it was Ralph Lauren uh, now wait Okay, because so of my connections. <laughs> how, yeah. So like how, how was your first client, Ralph Lauren? That's a big blue chip client. Yeah. <laughs> so your connection, what? Like you had worked an event where that was. I was working for another catering company and, and the Ralph Lauren. Uh, but typically when you're working for a catering company, you don't go up to the client and schmooze, but you do. Is that right? I mean, like- no, no, no. I I don't do that. Uh, it was it was also a great time. So I was working for a catering company, and uh, and Ralph Lauren was looking for for a person who has like a food vendor license. Uh, okay. And before that, I had food carts, and I had my own food vendor license. And the catering company recommended me, like, hey, we have one, we have a server and captain who has when a food vendor a, license. When did you get a food vendor license? Uh, it w- was my another business. Like I had Jesus. The food carts with the French crepes and Belgian waffles. <laughs> okay, wow. See, okay, go ahead. Yeah, and uh, and then Ralph Lauren they hired me directly uh, for just a temporarily for uh, independent for marketing project. Uh, no. The Ralph Lauren they opened a flagship store on Fifty Fifth and Fifth uh, with a restaurant and a coffee shop. And uh, they were trying to promote the coffee and coffee. Uh, it's a Ralph's coffee, so they 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 purchased a, like a coffee truck 
and okay. they need somebody to run the truck. So I was running the truck as a manager and, uh, you know, and helping like, and we were like driving around the city, trying to promote this coffee. And then they were thinking, they were like, you know, they were looking for people to staff the restaurant. And I said, and I told them, I know a company that can help you. So I didn't tell it's my company. Oh, <laughs> so I just recommend my own company. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's, um, that reminds me there was, um, they were doing exactly what you were doing, except he was selling pharmaceutical equipment and he would go and he'd say, hi, the name, yeah, this company, it's a great company. And instead of using his last name, he would use his middle name because he didn't want to be, hi, you know, I'm Steve Irwin and I am from Irwin Industries. He didn't want it to sound like, because then it sounds like he's running his own little operation. So you have to kind of strategize like that. Okay. Basically, I just recommend my own company, and uh, they, uh, they, they contacted Julie. Pick up the phone. <laughs> they had funny. a meeting, so I was kind of stay away, hmm. and uh, it was uh, it was our first big client. And now you work? Do you guys work together? Uh, so we staff permanent staffing for the whole restaurants. So, of still, uh, it, it was just okay. a one time gotcha. project. Gotcha. So so we staffed the restaurants, and uh, and and wow. and they kept all 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 the stuff that was. So you've had what like five businesses in five years will you still be doing this in two years or will you guys move on to something else um we don't have the plans that uh, you know it should selling be or like uh, closing the company you are the company is doing really good and uh, we should point that out because like up till now you've been single you had no like you said you didn't have any major responsibilities you're now married and when is you have a daughter do when oh, October middle of October pretty soon yeah and that changes things so you know jumping around from business to business might not be as frequent right I'm, I'm not trying to have like multiple businesses like Spe- two actually, or three businesses is, you, is good so like I mean from just what we've talked about so far I think things that people could take note of one is to think more broadly think outside the box if you see an opportunity don't see it as an up op- like okay at a Starbucks don't just see an opportunity to be a barista. Maybe see it as an opportunity to learn how to run a coffee shop, you know, or how could you add something to a coffee shop so that the coffee shop could expand? I'm just talking about your how your mind works versus someone just looking for a job as opposed to a business. And number two, you, I mean, like, because when I was looking at this, it seemed like they had nothing to do with each other. But really, they're all kind of connected somehow, Right. Somehow, so but it's completely s- different I, industries. Well, I just mean like in terms of meeting, you met this person through one thing and you, you know, you used your food, li- your food vendors license to get in this get store. Yeah. So, so what would you say? Like, I would say like, you have to be open-minded. Be open-minded you have, you have to see the opportunities and if you see opportunity, you have to jump in it. Right. Yeah. And nurture relationships. Your relationship with that guy who you met on a petty card, that was big. That was an important yeah. step in your career. Right, and I and I knew that something is gonna be big pretty soon, and and what do you it mean? happened like like I knew that he wants to do something in America. Yeah. I was waiting for his call, and finally he called five years later. See, that's weird. That doesn't sound like you, because you're not about sitting and waiting. No, not at all. You mean you were waiting for so, that call, so, but in the so meantime, when we met, uh, you were doing I, other stuff. I mean, you were doing your pedicab. W- yeah, I was doing my pedicab. Yeah. I was living with the roommate. Yeah, uh, and um, I, yeah. I had nothing. And when when he came, like in five years, uh, I was pretty settled. 
I was pretty settled. I had my uh, own business. I was making good money. So he was actually impressed uh, uh, right. on, compared to people in Russia uh, the same age for the same period of time. Yeah, it's in Russia. It's pretty hard in Russia, yeah. So I do want to talk about it. So like why, when did you decide you wanted to come here? Like uh, is that something you had always kind of thought about even in like high school? No, no. It was just an opportunity in the in the in the college. It was okay. a program, work and travel, oh. and it was just to to get uh, to work during the summer in another country. Mm-hmm. And one of the countries it was. Uh, oh, so you had in, no plans to come here? No plans. Really? Okay. So then, what would be the difference? Like you said, the difference between kids. Like, could you do all that you're doing in Russia? No. Why? Uh, maybe, but. Um, I have no experience in Russia because from high school I went to college and right after college you I moved to US and yeah. I, I, I never worked in Russia. So let's let's say that I never worked in okay. Russia. I, I, I don't know how, how to be in a corporate in Russia. I don't know how to run a business in Russia. I know it's completely different. Oh, it is? Some people, they like it. Some people don't. So How uh, is it different? You don't know? You just know it is different. Uh, I, I like... In America, it's more like clear. Once you see opportunity, you kind of know exactly what you need to do. Whether you know what to do or not, you can learn what to do and do it. In Russia, maybe those steps are not as available. Like first of all, here uh, when we were trying to open a staffing company, yeah. it was a, uh, a lot of like government programs how to open a business, oh. how, how to how to be how to open a restaurant, and it's everything free. Even my wife Julia, she went to one of those meetings. Now wait, where, like where? Like where did you just Googled? Yeah, yeah, you can Google it. You on you can get like free classes. Actually, government like really helps. And uh, when you open in something with like food related, you can go to uh, food department. And once you go in the hallway, there are like a lot of like a lot of brochures that you that you can just pick for free and read it. What you need, what kind of licenses, like almost yeah. like step by step. And you uh, did that. Uh, yes. Okay. Yes. So good. So this is important because it may, I mean, the, the way you talk about everything and you're just so you know, yeah. And then this happened. At no point. I mean, it sounds like a, you just knew lot, all this stuff. It's a lot of work, but uh, you know, if somebody, if someone has has an idea, first of all, they need to Google it and uh, <laughs> yeah, step yeah, one, uh, Google it, or even uh, go to YouTube or how to open. But uh, there are so many how-to books and do it yourself. I think I do think the difference between someone who will actually take that class or whatever mm-hmm. and use it to actually make something happen is more about the it's very easy to feel bogged down because it is a lot of work, like you said, and there's so much here to make you feel kind of like, Oh, is this even worth it? But you have to, I mean, you have to keep going. Nothing is just going to happen. You have to make everything happen. Right. Yes. And waiting for an opportunity. And, and if, if you have an idea, like let's say open a restaurant, just just trying to that's, meet meet with the restaurant owner and, and talk to him. You know, I mean, maybe take a little step at a time. It, I mean, exactly, exactly. Yeah. You, you can just uh, you know hang out with people who has this business right. already. You know, and get and secretly details. spy on them. No, you don't have to secretly <laughs> spy, but um, but but trust me, the people. Uh, that have the business and uh, um, you know they're willing to help. Some people they're willing to help. Sure. Yeah. 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 Like your partner. Like I'm willing to help. If anyone have a question, I'll, a question, I'll be happy. What to. about a business opportunity? What if they have an idea, like a Shark Tank idea? 
Actually, I was thinking to go to Shark Tank. Really? Do you have an invention or a company idea? Like Polar Bird. Polar Bird, uh, uh, yeah, we, have, we have great ideas. Because they're already doing so well. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's still hard. It's still hard to to do the business. All right, you're listening to The Next Best Thing on Radio Free Brooklyn. Our guest is Nikolai Kurubonitsky, co-owner and founder of Julia Valor Staffing and Events. Check out their website, which is? JuliaValor.com. Yeah, and uh, you're listening to the next thing. We're going to take a very short break, and we will be right back. This is Radio Free Brooklyn. Time for some fun facts. Did you know that a person can live without eating for weeks, but will only survive 11 days without sleep? No, not a clue. Did you know that the human brain stops growing at the age of 18? That makes sense, probably because most 18-year-olds know everything by then. God knows I did. Did you know? Blowing your nose when you have a cold might feel good, but it can actually worsen your condition. You see, kids, blowing generates enormous pressure and propels mucus into the sinuses, spreading viruses or bacteria, and potentially causing further infection. What's the alternative? I mean, I don't know. And last but not least, did you know that a NASCAR fan once sent over half a million emails to the Fox Network for airing a baseball game instead of a scheduled race? Wow. Had a name been provided, I would have sent him half a million emails telling him to get a life. Anywho, these have been fun facts. I hope they've been as much fun for you as they have been for me. Now sit your ass down, stay tuned, and enjoy the show. You're listening to The Next Best Thing on Radio Free Brooklyn, and we are talking to Nikolai Krupalnitsky, co-founder and owner of Julia Valor Events and Staffing. So, can you tell us a little bit about what you guys, because when you said you saw a lot of the other companies and you thought, we can do this better. So, what did you change? What is different about you guys? So, so when we started, uh, we were trying to, uh, we were trying to, uh, uh, we were trying like many different things. We were trying to be uh, we were trying to be different from other staffing companies. We were mm-hmm. trying to provide like a, uh, identical models, you know, to have like t- uh, like twins and triplets for 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 any events, you know. And 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 we did it successfully. But uh, and I was thinking it's a great idea. Everybody's gonna love it. No, it it's actually actually didn't work. Was it hard <laughs> to find twins? Uh, uh, it was hard to find, but we had uh, enough twins, and and we actually did the twinning show VH1 channel. Oh, really? Yeah. So, wow. So, so it was one of one of our clients That's as well. Cool. And um, uh, then we were trying like other things as well, and then we find out that uh, we we need to be very specific the on because our ma- major business is like hospitality stuff, mm-hmm. servers and bartenders. Right. Uh, it's about like seventy five percent and twenty five percent is like promotional modelings for uh, uh, brand ambassadors, greeters, any types of like like modeling, not serving jobs, uh, and then. Um, we start hiring staff only, uh, referrals only, uh, and uh, we were training staff. Not everybody staffing company, not every staffing company they train train their staff. Uh, and also we have uh, we have a great software that we can uh, go and collect uh, ratings and reviews from every single event for and each for each for, for each staff members. 
even if we have like two or 50, uh, we have managers in every single event uh, mm-hmm. and they have to rate uh, every single person. So we have a, like a huge profile on every staff, uh, either good or bad. Do uh, they get access to their, like if I was a staff member, would I be able to see kind of my average rating? No. Okay. No, so it, it's, it's, just, it's just for for the office, gotcha. and and we don't share it to uh, to anyone. So just just for the office, just for us. So so we need to know the performance of this person, and uh, and we need to know if we can send like these people for this event right. or for that event, and and we also have very strict uh, strict policies. Uh, uh, we were super friendly company. We're trying to keep everybody uh, like uh, as a family, um, but also at the same time, if they if they cancel last minute, uh, fired, fired, you what? know, uh, yeah. Right. So if they cancel the same day, they fired. Yeah, uh, never again. Never again. Uh, and the reason that we made like a such a such a huge uh, rule is just because uh, uh, every Saturday is it's super busy right. and one Saturday uh, we had like people like canceling canceling oh, no. canceling and uh, the main reason was uh, my grandma died and uh, <laughs> and it's it's very sad but when five people call in almost at the same time and grandmother died did you, so, have, so, did you ever think this is a lot of dead grandmas yeah, like, yeah. Like, <laughs> and, didn't your grandma die last weekend <laughs> I mean, really yeah actually. I mean really Exactly, exactly. So, accountability. Yeah, and the reason that we did that, we just uh, wanted people to be more responsible and not to cancel last minute, especially when, when, when if you call time like 3 p.m. and you say that I'm sick at 2 p.m., obviously you yeah. should know right. <laughs> much earlier that you're sick. Uh, accountability. I mean, really, if people know that they, if there's even, I mean, even if it's just on the front office, like the only they're going to see the reviews, Still, that is an incentive to be better. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not just a paycheck. And actually, they know that they get in the ratings from, from a manager just because uh, uh, our rules is like once you get like three great ratings, then the uh, rate is going up. Really? Yeah. You only need three? Only, only need three. So, okay. And you get, an, you get a rating every event. Every event. And you... You are being rated by the captain, not by the client. By the captain, yes. Okay. All right. So you know who to impress and stuff. Do you have like a rubric, like um, in terms of like how was their serving skills? How was it this? Or is it just kind of like, how did they do? Um, it's, uh, it's actually everything. Uh, okay. They have to arrive on time, they right. have to arrive in correct uniform, uh, they have to be proactive. Uh, with a great attitude and smile and uh, uh, they have to do everything that possible to make uh, this uh, event great and successful. Right. And when it comes to stuff like this, just in our experience, one thing that's a huge difference between someone who's going to be a good worker and someone who isn't is really it comes down to just doing what you're supposed to. Like if you're supposed to bust glasses some people you will, just have to follow well, some follow people, the assignments. Some people will put a lot of effort yep. into not busting those glasses. Like it's like they put more effort into hiding from the captain than just bust the glasses. You know what I mean? And that's obviously a sign of a real like. Eh. Yeah, and there are a lot and of those I people. You, I used to be a server, and right. I used to be a server, and I know everything that the <laughs> that the waiter can do yeah. uh, during well, the event. And right, 
And there was, you know, honestly, when you see other servers doing that, it used to piss me off because it's like, this is going to slow all of us down. And Jesus, just like, are you really that like anti work? You know what I mean? So like, that's how you weed out. That could be, that's the difference. My opinion, uh, um, it doesn't matter what, what the job that you, that you currently have. I think you just have to be the best. If you're a server like today, you have to be uh, the best server. Uh, but if you're thinking like, uh, or you, you're going to be rich soon, or you're going to be a business owner, but you server today, you mm-hmm. still have to be the best server in order for the future to be the best of what you want to do. So the, that's actually my own approach. Mm-hmm. Uh, so whatever I do, I have to be the best, or at least I'm trying to be the best. And then when I feel like another opportunity, then I move forward. Do you feel like it's hard to, I mean... I guess you have, when, before you hire someone, before you bring someone on, you probably make the expectations clear, right? That you guys have these standards, everyone gets ratings, all that stuff. Because I was going to say, with staffing companies, a lot of times, it's amazing how many people are lazy. And so, like, do you find you're getting rid of a lot of people a lot? Or do you make it clear before they ever come on, and then once they're on... They know the expectations, so you retain. Um, yes, yes. We, we first of all we had like one hour interview before we hire anyone, and it's only referrals. Right? Uh, we we mentioned everything verbally. Then uh, then we gave the paperwork like it's like a booklet, uh, and uh, and then we gave them a contract where mm-hmm. everything that we verbally said, everything that we gave it to them. Uh, they have to sign the contract, so they are fully aware of of our like uh, um, rules and policies, um, even if it's strict or friendly policies. Uh, they all aware. So um, and uh, it's it's actually very help. Uh, like sm- smart people, uh, uh, they wouldn't abuse the policies, right. especially when they sign something. But but some people, you know, uh, when they're ready to move forward or something else yes we actually have to get rid of them and honestly when you have i mean like rules like this even if it is just staffing it like you're doing a product launch or just catering a wedding who knows i don't know like there's when you know the company has these standards it it does add almost a sense of pride in being among the best whatever you make. And a lot of people like it. A lot of yeah. people like it. And the people appreciate it. I, I mean, like, I, I do, I think accountability is the key here because there's not a lot of accountability in most staffing agencies. It's show up, stand here, you know, wear whatever you're supposed to wear, bus. All right, see you next time. And I actually have to say thank you to my wife because she she's the one who create all of the standards really? and and policies because she used to work in the in the office environment mm-hmm. and she's more like uh, she she does operations in mm-hmm. the company and uh, I'm more like an like creative director and like have like a lot of ideas right. spontaneous ideas. So I'm not like a an office guy. Like, that, that like do a, the, let's do a twin theme. That do like <laughs> so okay, yeah, let's talk about that. So you and Julia are, you know, the co owners and founders. And um it, who is in the office with you guys every day? And we also have account executives, right. uh, we have a booker booker manager and a booker assistant and currently we're looking for, for more stuff, uh assistant position. And um, so, if you're interested, <laughs> apply. Can they apply at the website? Yes, yes. Okay. They can go to 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 the website, and we have email apply at juliavaller.com. 
J-U-L-I-A-V-A-L-L-E-R.com. Okay, so you are a native-born Russian. Do you know who Mikhail Prokhorov is? Yes. So he's the owner of the Nets, billionaire, very successful businessman. Here, I think he also ran for president in Russia, didn't he? Yeah, he tried. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Well, at least he's still alive. Do you see someone who are you like? I mean, he just happens to be Russian, but do you have like businessmen that you you particularly admire? Um, in Russia, right? Mm, I mean, he happens to be Russian, but it doesn't have to be. I so, just mean so, in general. So in Russia, I really like young businessmen. Okay. Uh, people. Is, is uh, he old? Uh, yeah, Prokhorov. He's. Okay. Uh, he he's like previous generation, I would oh, say. Yeah, so he sure. can be my dad. Yeah. Uh, yes. I'm talking about people who are like 30 and 35, yeah, yeah. before 40, that they're doing business. They're very successful. They they have like a completely different mind. Right. And uh, I'm actually following like several uh, business people uh, uh, that have businesses in Russia. One of them is uh, Dmitry Partnagin. He's really good. He has really, uh, really cool blog on YouTube. So you can have businesses in Russia. Yes, yes. Okay. Uh, And a lot of people they do have businesses and really enjoy it. I I just me personally, you're here. I never work for anyone in Russia, and I never have opportunity. I'm sure if I stayed in Russia, I would figure out something. And sure, uh, (laughs) yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. Wherever you are, you make it work. Um, What about like? He, I, he had like an, like what is, okay, so the guy you just mentioned, what's, what's, you said he's a YouTube blog? That's yes, yes. Uh, he, his YouTube uh, called Transformator. Okay. Uh, and uh, he, he, he has over, over like million and a half followers and he's trying to um, make people opening the businesses. Uh, he's trying to show other companies how they start the business from nothing and develop like huge companies. He's okay. trying to show an example, and and he's thirty right now, and he has like ten businesses already. Really? Yes. Wow. Okay. So okay. So then, like the go- like the government stuff, it really is not that much of a. I mean, like hamper. Apparently, would you ever want to get into politics? No. Here no, or there? No, it's it's not my thing. Never um, was. No. Even no. though you like to schmooze and like to you know make deals, making deals is different, right? You like to make businesses, not yeah, all uh, that crap. I'm I'm, tr- I'm like currently I'm trying to stay away from from, it's from politics. Uh, and you know the, when you listen news, it's a lot of negative stuff. That's and, all it is. And I'm 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 positive. I'm always positive, and I'm trying to stay positive. And when you listen news or politics, there's something that you cannot personally control it, and you just processing and processes inside of yourself yeah. and uh, the ideas and things that you need to do that you need to think about it you start thinking about other negative things like when you're a young company and when you're doing very well you just uh, next year it's even better and better right, right. so for us uh, thanks God that we have only up uh, so uh, what do you guys so okay so you're always building always growing what how do you see the business growing in the next few years? Do you have any ideas? Maybe add a, you know, one thing I actually always have wondered about with these staffing agencies is when you do like an event, you know, they hire you for the staffing and stuff and they also hire a band or a DJ and then someone else. If there was a company that could 
provide at least options, like maybe some music options for these people. That way they didn't have to go to this person and that company and this person. They could go to this company and get staff, get the music, get this taken care of. Wouldn't that be a lifesaver? Actually, it was, uh, was our first idea to be like really? a one-stop solution. That'd be of, great. Of like including like a... Uh, jungle bartenders and yeah. some like entertainers and like m- like multiple options. Yeah, but in event business, when the client reach, uh, reach you, it's like it's either event planners that they already know. Sure. That they, they already know all the vendors that they want to hire, or like catering companies that they need like specific staffing. So it's. It's not. Uh, I don't think it's possible right now to be like a one-stop solution. Um, to be like a company, maybe some websites that can offer like several things at the same time, but not like a um, like a company that you can call. Of course, if the client needs some additional stuff, yes, we can uh, offer s- several. Uh, yeah. DJs, uh, like photographers and videographers, like some florists, some some venues. Because a lot of the people... And food as well. A lot of your staffers, a lot of people who work in that industry are usually artists or musicians or actors and stuff. So that would be kind of... that. What an opportunity for them to also get to put various skills to use. You know what I mean? Yeah. It'd be great if it could work, if we could find a, a way to make A lot of additional uh, stuff is available in our company. So when the oh, people yeah. ask for it, uh, yes, we have it available, but uh, we don't we don't promote it. We're, we're trying to stay focused right. on hospitality stuff, trying to uh, improve all the time uh, and uh, trying to be better and better in the staffing right. quality. I noticed on the website at the bottom, you have a lot of sponsors. Is that right? It's our clients. Those are your clients. Okay. Yes. So those are your like partnerships. Do you have to go out and, and secure those or like is it by referral or what? Like how do you build that clientele? Just through word of mouth? Uh, so a lot of clients uh, from referrals, a lot of clients from uh, our marketing strategies, uh, from you, advertising as and well. And you and Julia. Yes. Right? So you really, yes. Because you don't. And also connections, right. like networking connections. And uh, so it's like a snowball. So you started with the one client, then two, then three, then four, then eight. And, right. and now now we have, uh, I don't know, over a thousand clients. Do you find that when you, okay, so when you started the company, you knew it was a staffing company, great. You had to get all the logistics sorted out. Are you learning, You have you found that you're learning a lot as you go? Like maybe you didn't think so much about the marketing or whatever until, oh, you have to start marketing. You know what I mean? Because that, that's what I found when I started that theater company. I had been in shows, I had directed shows, I had blah, blah, blah. I had never actually produced a show. So I didn't really know about buying the licensing rights and buying this and securing a venue and blah, blah, blah. You just have to learn on the job. And honestly, that's kind of the best way to learn, I think. Have you found that there's a lot of, have there been any stumbling blocks? Um, yes, definitely, definitely. So so when you open in any business, even though that similar businesses exist in the market, you're still going to face uh, some issues, some problems, some new opportunities, uh, and um, maybe even like different like a marketing strategies. So you just have to uh, use common sense and uh, try like a lot of things and see some things is going to work, some things... Uh, doesn't so you just have to sort it out basically 
and uh, some advertising w- works for some companies. The same advertising doesn't work for the other company. Mm-hmm. So, would you suggest to people kind of like, if you want to be successful in business, don't limit yourself. You know, yeah, you might want to be an actor and you should pursue that and stuff, but don't just look for opportunities in acting, right? I mean, like you, what's what's your passion? I mean, if you could start, if you if you could just as a snap of a finger have the ultimate business and the thing that you care most about, what would it be? Staffing? No, not staffing. So what would it be? Um, uh, it's a good question. It's a really good question, but uh, I'm really passionate about like talking to other people, uh, like uh, making connections and uh, friendship, maybe something like like social. I would say definitely social, definitely like connecting with new people. Uh, maybe um, um, like be on a stage some, some yeah, really? one day, yeah. Or hosting a talk show. <laughs> Why not? I mean, really, but like you in the meantime have not hesitated to try everything. People in like that, I think if there's one thing you could leave people with and maybe and you can say it for yourself, but I mean like if there's one thing I do take from your story, it's do everything, do whatever, whenever you see an opportunity, don't be like, well, I don't really like cheese or food or pedicab or whatever. If you see an opportunity, seize it because A, it's always a good learning experience and B, it's good to know how to make a business work. And someday your business can be whatever you want to do. And that's not to say you can't still work on it. I mean, you still do other stuff, right? Yeah. And, and a lot of people tr- uh, for them, it's hard to figure out what they're passionate about. Like, you first of all, you need to think what you can do 24 hours. Like, for me, I can connect with people 24 hours and I'm not going to be tired of it. So I'm, that's my passion. My passion that you can do something for a long period of time and you're not going to be, be tired. So that's the first thing that you need to think. And the second thing, just, uh, you know, talk, to ask people around you what do you think I can do better than anyone else and just collect those opinions and uh, some people like very talented to be taking pictures you know to be a photographer or being an actor they're very talented but if you're not that talented maybe you should find something else (laughs) yeah (laughs) but I mean some people are delusional so step one don't be delusional Exactly. And, you, and and if it doesn't work, uh, you just let have it go. to set your mind, just let it go and move on. And try something else. Yeah. Go do a pedicab or, or something Because it's normal if you if you decided to do th- something and you you can be wrong. It's normal. So Do you watch Shark Tank? Yes, I do. Do you like I mean Kevin O'Leary, he you know, he Mr. Wonderful, he can be an asshole, but a lot of times um, he's a smart guy and a lot of times he's like this is a zero take it out behind the barn and kill it and do something else now sometimes the other sharks disagree whatever but like sometimes you need to maybe hear that it's good to be pragmatic about stuff which is hard especially if it's a passion project yeah he's very straightforward but he's all about he's numbers period the end yeah that's tough that's hard for people most people are humans <laughs> and they might want to enjoy this or put a passion into that. Listen, we're all humans. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, and uh, when you're trying to, first of all, look for a partnership or for an investor, uh, you have to find people that close to, uh, close to you. You know, mm-hmm. if you're about the numbers, 
maybe you should work with the guy who also bought the numbers, or maybe you should do opposite. Yeah, do on, do on, do on, because uh, some relationship works like like me and my wife we're completely opposite in business, but it works uh, well. It works well. So because wherever she can do, uh, uh, I cannot do it. You know, mm-hmm. and the same thing. Uh, um, on the other hand, you know, and and in this case, we help each other, right. and um, and uh, and I, th- I and I think it's really good to find like you know a partner that can do better that 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 the partner can do something better than you. So that's yeah. this is a real partnership. All right. Well, we have three minutes left. Do you have any? If you could leave people with one, anyone who's starting trying to start a business, what would you say the most important thing to remember is? Um, don't be scared to make mistakes, mm-hmm. first of all, because they will happen mm-hmm. and, and, and move on if you make a mistake. When, when you make a mistake, when you invest in money or anything, uh, there are two things, good things happening. Mm-hmm. When you made a mistake, you get the experience. When you didn't make a mistake, you make money. <laughs> All right. Well, we've been talking to Nikolai Krupalnitsky, co-owner and founder of Julia Valor Events, juliavalor.com. Check it out. They're hiring a current, what, assistant? Office assistant. Office assistant. They're a great company to work for. They have an office on Fifth Avenue, right? Yes. Yeah. Fifth, Fifth Avenue and 45th Street. Fifth Avenue and 45th Street. All right. Well, I say it every week. I mean it more and more every week. Apathy is the enemy. More than anything, apathy is the enemy. Watch the news, have an opinion, care about something, take some action, make a change, and who knows, maybe even make the world a better place. For Radio Free Brooklyn, thanks for coming in, Nikolai. Sorry. Thank you. Yeah, this has been great. Thank you, John. It's good to see you. Uh, For Radio Free Brooklyn, this has been The Next Best Thing. I'm Jonathan B. Lerner. Until next week, good night. (laughs) 